You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Well, good evening. It's good to be here with everyone. And uh, we're we're excited uh, to serve the Lord. Amen. It's a privilege, it's an honor to serve the Lord. We're excited to be here with y'all. Uh, give you guys a little update of what's been going on these past couple months, I guess, because it wasn't too long ago we was back here. Uh, but we, we got back to Mexico probably the end of June, July, the end of July, and uh, we, were, were able, we were able to get back involved in the ministry and things like that. Uh, we fly back to Mexico this Tuesday, and then school starts Wednesday. And uh, we have one more year, nine months of language school, and then we move to Zacatecas. I am excited, one, because I looked at the temperature today in Monterey, and it was still 90 degrees and 50% humidity. So we're excited to move to Zacatecas, where it's a teeny bit cooler. And uh, I would say down there, around this time, it's probably about this weather here. Uh, It probably won't get too much colder. Uh, It probably will, and around Christmas time, it'll drop down in the 50s and down in the 30s at night, but... Not nearly what it does here, praise God. Uh, (laughs) But uh, again, we're excited to be here. We were over at Loomis Park this morning. Uh, It was a blessing to be over there. And there was a lady that was actually, we got to meet. She was actually born and raised in Zacatecas. Uh, Not the actual city that we'll be in, but the same state, just a a few hours north of us. Uh, I think she said it was about an hour north of us where we'll be at. But it it was fun. She speaks very little English, so we got to practice our Spanish a little bit with her. And uh, Stephanie did great talking to her. Amen. But pray for us as we fly back um, Tuesday and then as we start school again uh, Wednesday. And we're excited to get, get back in the, in, the, in the routine of things. You know how it is sometimes right before, you know, your normal routine kicks in, you're kind of sitting there at the house thinking, all right, you know, <laughs> I'm getting kind of bored here. But uh, we're excited to be finally getting back in the routine of things and uh, being back being back in the ministry there. Uh, again, we're excited to be here with you. If you have your Bibles, Nehemiah is where we're going to be at, Nehemiah chapter 4. Thank you all so much uh, for the baby shower you threw for Stephanie, and uh, I'm sure she really enjoyed that. I haven't got to talk to her a whole lot about it, uh, but thank you so much for the gifts and the prayers, and it, it, it's an encouragement uh, to know that you're praying for us. It's an encouragement to know we have people back home towing the line and uh, keeping us in, our, in, in your prayers and supporting us both financially and, 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 uh, and, and in prayers. So we, we just we are overjoyed uh, with, what you, with, with what y'all are doing here. And uh, we, we appreciate the ministry with the live stream because uh, you guys are an hour, you guys start, you guys are an hour different than we are. So a lot of times we can catch the service uh, before we before we head off to church. So sometimes we'll we'll watch the live stream there at the house right before we slip out for church. We don't get to watch it all most of the time, um, but sometimes we get to see it all. So it's a blessing. And my mom's watching. So hey, mom, love you. <laughs> Can't wait to see you. But uh, so yeah, we're excited and uh, to serve the Lord. Nehemiah chapter four is where we will be at. Nehemiah chapter 4. Pull up my notes here. We're going to start reading in verse 10, if you can, and if you're able, please stand with me for the reading. 
God's word. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible says this, And Judah said, The strength of the barriers of the burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that they are not, they are not able to build the wall. And, adverse, and adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst of them, and slay them, and cause their work to cease. And it came to pass, when the Jews uh, which dwelt by them uh, came, they said unto them ten times, For all places hence uh, whence ye shall return unto us, they will, they will be upon you. Verse 13, Therefore set it in the lower places behind the, therefore set I in the lower places of the, behind the wall, and on the higher places. I even sent the people after their families with their swords and with their spears and with their bows. And I looked and, and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for you, brethren, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your household. Then look in verse 15. And it came to pass when our enemies had heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us the way every one to, unto his work. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given to us, and thank you so much for uh, just everything you do for us and all your many blessings. We pray that you just help us this evening as we look into your word. Help us to get something from your word that we can take and apply to our lives. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Give me the right words to say and calm my nerves, Lord. We pray that you just please meet with us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We, were, uh, we had lunch, dinner, supper, whatever you want to call it, this afternoon with the family. Ben and Rachel were over, and uh, we were talking about being nervous when you get up and talk, and I am extremely nervous right now. Like, my hands are shaking when I was sitting down, so, but uh, praise the Lord. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get into things here. The title of my message this evening, if you want to give it a title, would be Fighting for the Next Generation. Fighting for the next generation. Uh, if you are, say, 20, or say 18 and under, could you please stand? All the teenagers and all the young people. That's awesome. My, uh, my sister came up for the wedding. My brother-in-law played the piano. Stay standing. What's the matter with you? My uh, sister came for the wedding, and she was like, Man, I can't believe all the young people that are here. And uh, it's awesome. It's great when you see young people in the house of God. All right, you can have a seat. If you're, say, 35, 20 to 35, stand up, please. 20 to 35. This is my generation right here, 20 to 35. And uh, this, is, this is a message that uh, I'm going to preach to myself, but y'all pay attention uh, because you guys are taking the reins. You guys are taking the reins, and you are going to be the ones reaching the generation that just stood up before you. Go ahead and have a seat. Everybody else that did not stand up, I'm not going to make you stand up. <laughs> but the ones that just stood up, the ones that were sitting down before you, that's where we get our wisdom from. That's where we get our. That's that's who we look up to. Um, I appreciate. I don't know if I, I'm sure I've said this before, but I appreciate Brother Bob. Uh, I, 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 he's my friend, and uh, we, we talk every time we get a chance. And, uh, but I, I look up to him. He's somebody that I look up to. And uh, 
reaching the generation after me is definitely something I have to do. Uh, as a Christian, it's my responsibility. It is my duty to reach those that are coming up after me. Because I'm no longer the ones that people are reaching. Now that baton has been passed to me and now I have to pass it on. I'm sure there are people saying he still needs to be reached. And I do. <laughs> I still need encouragement. I still need prayer. But now it's, it's our responsibility to reach that next generation. Fighting for the next generation. If you still have children at home, you should be fighting every day for them. If you have grandchildren, you should be fighting for them. It's almost sad to see the world today and how many people really could care less about church. Uh, we were, I was talking to Ben this afternoon, and we had heard a statistic that uh, eight out of ten millennials think that church is just church isn't important. They really could care less. That's that's my generation. Eight out of ten thinks church is not important. It's important. It's very important. Do we ever wonder what our, our country is going to look like for our kids and our grandkids? You know, ever since we found out we were having a baby, my whole <laughs> process of thinking about kids has changed. You know, it was fun to have them in junior church, sugar them up, and send them home. But now I'm going to go, how dare you? <laughs> But what kind of world are we leaving our kids, our grandkids? Are we going to leave them with a, a rich heritage? Nehemiah here uh, knew the people of Jerusalem were building more than a wall. They were building a destiny for their future generation. Tonight we'll be speaking about fighting for the next generation. God has ordained the Christian home. I'm so thankful to have grown up in a Christian home. So thankful for parents, hi mom, who took me to church, who drugged me to church. I enjoyed going to church. Uh, we had a bunch of kids our age, so I enjoyed running around with them. But I also enjoyed Wednesday nights, we had Bible clubs for the kids where, where I went to church. And uh, kind of like your, 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 the patch clubs you have, uh, we just called it something else. And I, I enjoyed being a part of that and uh, been growing up in church. I loved it. I enjoy it. I still enjoy going to church. I love preaching every time I get a chance. I get nervous as I'll get out, but I enjoy it. Uh, what other job do you get where you can stand up and holler at people? Uh, I mean, it's great. I love it. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, if you want to turn there, you can. You don't have to, but it says this. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in, uh, instead thereof. And the rib which, God, uh, which the Lord God had taken from him made he woman and brought her unto him. So God has ordained the Christian home. And uh, I, I, I applaud those people that are here with their families and they bring their families to church and they do their best to raise their children in a godly home and, and try to influence their grandchildren to serve the Lord. It's, it, it's getting harder and harder in this world. 
It really is. So it's a great thing God has ordained. Of course, we've seen that uh, committed godly parents have had problems with their children. And we've seen public school kids, Christian school kids, homeschool kids fall into deep sin. And it's, it, it's, gone, it's going to happen. But we have to fight for that not to happen. It's a daily battle. It's a battle that we have to fight and fight and fight for our next generation. Do we, uh, do we care about what we're leaving for our next generation? When you look at this nation's, the national debt, you look at how many churches per year are closing, closing their doors. Marriages, marriage is being redefined. It's, they're trying to redefine marriage in this country, not only in this country, but all over the world. They're trying to redefine it. So we have to fight we have to fight for the next generation. Well, how do we do that? That was my introduction. It wasn't 45 minutes. We're getting into the body of the message now. How do we fight for the next generation? Well, first of all, we have to fight our own spiritual battles. be honest with you, it doesn't start here. It starts at home. This is where it's backed up, though. Amen? where you can come together and fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you, and it backs up the home. But we have to fight our own spiritual battles. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16 says this, Take heed unto yourselves and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. We have to take heed to ourselves. Of course, as parents, I can say that now, uh, we're responsible for our own actions and the way we behave, and our children are responsible for their actions and the way they behave, but where do they learn it? They learn it from us. That's amazing how much kids pick up. We were, um, I was, over the summer we were here, and I had Joseph with me. Joseph, how old are you? You're nine. He's a cool dude. I had Joseph with me, and we went out, and we got a sandwich. Not a sandwich, a sandwich. And I told him that, so let's go get a sandwich. You remember that? Let's go get a sandwich. And we came back home, and uh, he was telling everybody, yeah, we went and got a sandwich. He was copying me. (laughs) Where they learn that is from us. We have to be careful what we say. We have to be careful what we do around them. Sigmund Freud introduced a concept called determinism, in which uh, all the blame of sin can be placed on someone else, but of course, we know that philosophy is unbiblical. Students will blame, you know, they get in trouble, they'll blame, you know, so-and-so told me to do it. And, you know, kids will pa- try to pass the blame on, you know, to somebody else. Or nowadays, even adults, well, the reason I'm this way is because it's the way my parents raised me. I'm like, man, you just want to clock them in the face, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, we, we have to fight, we have to, we have to fight our own spiritual battles. Romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18 says this, Know ye not that whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. uh, Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness, but God be thanked that ye uh, were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that from the doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from your sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So how do we fight our own spiritual battles? That's the question, right? How do we fight them? Well, number one, we fight them with the proper focus. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I'm sure you're familiar with it, says this, Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have to fight with the proper focus. Now, does anybody, what is, does anybody know what Indiana is known for? Basketball. I was going to say corn. You know, there's a saying in Indiana, there's more than just corn in Indiana. <laughs> a lot of Indiana is farmland. And uh, back when they used to use mules... Some people still do. They obviously use mules and send horses and, and, uh, and things like that to, to plow with. But when you, when you had the, that, that mule and you had the plow and you were trying to plow a straight line, what you did not do was look over here to try to plow a straight line this way. What you had to do is you had to focus straight ahead, you had to focus on a target, and you had to plow that straight line. Today's references, we would compare it to mowing the lawn. You know, when you're mowing the lawn, and you're pushing the lawnmower, or you're riding the lawnmower, or whatever it is, and you're trying to go in a straight line, and you start wandering off and looking over here and looking over there, what happens to your straight line? It goes this way, it goes that way. It's not a straight line anymore. If you want to mow a straight line, you've got to look ahead. You've got to plow a straight line. You've got to have that proper focus. What is our focus? Our focus is Jesus Christ. If we want to win that spiritual battle, we have to keep our eyes on the prize. We have to keep focused on Jesus Christ. We have to fight with the proper focus. Not only do we have to fight with the proper focus, but we have to fight with a per persistent faithfulness. A persistent faithfulness in one scripture. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I, um, when we first found out we were pregnant, shortly after, uh, I have a pastor friend of mine that I have become very close to. He's a few years older than I am, and uh, he has eight kids. And so I decided to call him. And uh, as a friend, asked for some advice. I figure he might know what he's doing. And uh, so I asked him, I said, I, his name's Pastor Graham. I said, Brother Graham, I said, what advice can you give me? He's like, I don't know why you're asking me, man. <laughs> but he said this. He said, uh, one thing that I've learned about having kids is you have to constantly be growing in the Lord. Constantly be growing in the Lord. Every day it's a battle. And you have to constantly be growing in the Lord. I think that applies to our everyday life. I think that applies to every single Christian in this room tonight. It's constantly be growing in the Lord. You have to be digging into the scriptures if you want to fight with a persistent faithfulness. Not only fighting with a persistent faithfulness in scripture, but in the local church. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. There's no better place to get encouraged than a church. If you're feeling sad, go to church. Listen to the preacher holler at you. That'll put you in a good mood, right? <laughs> no, the local church is so important in our Christian lives. And I'm so glad to see every time we come up, we see new people, which is great, but it's also really encouraging to see the same group of people just being faithful, just sticking with the stuff. And then seeing the young people coming up 
and now serving in the church. And, and, and see them just being faithful. That's what the Lord wants. He wants you to be faithful. How are we going to reach the next generation? One, by fighting our own spiritual battles uh, in, uh, in, with a proper focus, uh, with persistent faithfulness, but also fighting with a passionate fervency. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. May 19, 1643, John Winthrop established the New England Confederation. Uh, Their constitution stated their purpose, said this, to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, to preserve and uh, propagate the truth and liberties of the gospel. We have to fight with a passionate fervency. How many of y'all in here like boxing? Does anybody watch UFC at all? I know I'm probably a center. Okay, great. Awesome. A couple of you. Good. Uh, You know, I I like watching those kinds of stuff, and I especially like watching those guys that have a passion for what they do. You know, those boxers that just, man, it's just almost like they float on the canvas, or those UFC fighters that just, it's just, they love what they do. And it's really fun to watch anybody, really, that just loves what they do. I have a friend of mine, he's an evangelist now, and uh, he told me years ago, he met this, this doctor, and he was a brain surgeon. And he just, he was obsessed with doing brain surgery. He just loved, and he told this guy, I love just cracking open a skull. And just looking at a brain. And my evangelist friend, he goes, man, you're weird. (laughs) But if I ever want brain surgery done or need it done, man, I want you to do it because you're passionate about it, you know? We, we, we need to have that same kind of passion. Not necessarily cracking open a skull, look at it. But we need to have that same kind of fervency. We need to have that same kind of passion serving Christ. We need to have that same kind of dedication to serve the Lord. Fighting for the next generation begins with fighting our own spiritual battles. And secondly, fighting the enemies of our family. Galatians 5 says that we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. Well, if we're going to fight the enemies of our family, we have to identify what those enemies are. The first enemy is anger. You ever met those children that just seem angry at their parents all the time? Jacob, I'm not talking about you, don't worry. (laughs) But you ever met those children who are angry at their parents or those siblings that are just angry with each other? It's like, man, what is your issue? They need Jesus Christ is what the issue is. But those people that are just just angry with each other. Now, uh, we're here, and uh, I told my mother-in-law that I would not tell any mother-in-law jokes. So I will not mention anger between mother-in-laws and son-in-laws. I'm not going to do it. That was a joke. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. We have to fight the enemies of our family. The first enemy is anger. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. My great-grandmother lived to be, I believe, 103 or 104. I don't remember exactly what it was. But I remember as a kid, I asked her, I said, Hey, Grandma, we called her Big Grandma. She was about this tall. She lived in, in the hills of Kentucky, the same house that she, when she got married, she moved into, she died in. I mean, dedication right there. But she, I remember asking her, I said, I said we called her Big Grandma. Big Grandma, what, what was the secret of you living so long? 
And she's like, I just did what the Bible told me to do. I just obeyed my parents, and I did my best to honor them. And the Lord's blessed me to live long on the earth. You know, as a kid, I see that, and uh, I, I, I read this scripture here, and I'm like, man, I, I want to live long on the earth. <laughs> I don't want to die. Uh, but I, I want to live long on the earth so that I can serve God more. But then verse 4, I've read this verse 100 times, 200, however many times I've read it. I've read it a lot, but it's never really, I've never really, until I had my own kids, having my own kids. You know what I mean? Here in verse 4 it says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I read that verse the other day, and I'm like, that one applies to me now. (laughs) But we're not to provoke our children to wrath. But we're supposed to love them and raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Teach them not to be angry. That comes natural to them to be angry. It comes natural to them to, to throw a tantrum. But we have to teach them to be loving, to be kind, so that they can grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So the first enemy we saw is anger. The second is this, apathy. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, the words of God, the the doctrines of the Lord, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thank the Lord for parents who are constantly encouraging us to serve the Lord, constantly encouraging us to go out soul winning. Constantly encouraging us and pushing us to serve the Lord. Pushing us in a good way is what I mean. Growing us and teaching us in maturity and serving the Lord. You know, too, too many fathers nowadays, you know, they have a cop out. Go ask your mother. <laughs> Go ask your mom. I don't know. Go ask your mom. Get out of here. Praise the Lord for you fathers who are sitting here with your children and your families today. You know, I, I, I'm trying to remember this um, statistic in my mind. It was said that uh, children, if, if you bring children to church on the bus, things like that, how many bus workers are in here tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord for bus workers. I love the bus ministry. But you bring those kids to church without their parents, the, the likelihood of them sticking with it are, is, is very slim. If you can bring the mother to church, the, the, the chances of them sticking with the stuff increases. But it's still very slim. But if you can get the whole family, the mother, the father, the children coming to church, the likelihood of those children turning out to serve the Lord, it can be pretty high. What I'm trying to say is we ought not to have apathy. A Christian seminary recently conducted a survey of parents to determine the different parenting styles. They came up with four. The first one was this, neglectful. The first parenting style was neglectfulness, which was low in love and low in control. This type of parent avoided or fleed from their children. The second was this, permissive, which was high in love but low in control. This parent allows his children to lead him rather than him leading them and he fears his children. Number three was authoritarian, which was low in love and high in control. This parent pushes his children to conformity rather than leading them to maturity. And the last one was this, authoritative. High in love, but also high in control. And he fellowshiped 
with his children. We think of that and then we look back at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7. And this verse just applies perfectly with that. And it's this, And and thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children, and shalt talk with them when thou sittest in the house, and when uh, when thou wakest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. We should be constantly centering our family, uh, constantly centering our lives around Jesus Christ, centering our families around the Lord. We had a a family conference a couple weeks ago. Actually, I think it was just last week, wasn't it? Last week we had a family conference down in uh, Monterey, and there was an evangelist that came from the States, and he was preaching, Brother Smith. I'm sure you know plenty of Brother Smiths. But uh, Brother Smith, he came down, and he was preaching, talking about uh, a Christ-centered family. And if you want to have a family that sticks together, they've got to be Christ-centered. This verse applies that perfectly. When you wake up, praise the Lord. When you're walking about, praise the Lord. When you're sitting at the dinner table, or if you don't have a table big enough to fit everybody, wherever you're sitting, you know, wherever you're chowing down, serve the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wherever, if you're in the living room, praise the Lord. If you're driving down the road, praise the Lord. I thank the Lord for my mother-in-law. She's always doing that. She's always handing people tracks, and she's always, oh, praise the Lord. I'll pray about it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's an encouragement. Sometimes it's annoying. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. That shows, you know, how spiritual I am. Uh, but <laughs> the first enemy of our family is anger. The second is apathy. And the third is this, the enemy of absenteeism. That is the practice of regularly staying away from work or school without good reason. Y'all know those folks? You know what I'm talking about. When it comes time to work, they ain't nowhere to be found. (laughs) When it comes time for work, those teenagers, you know, they just kind of scurry along. Right, Samuel? No, I'm just teasing. He's a a good worker, I think. Uh, But, you you know, those people, they try to avoid everything. Let's not be that way. The word absenteeism. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto, his wife, unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one to another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. A lady saw this passage of scripture and she wanted her husband to take this a little more literally so she hung a sign in her kitchen that said, make yourself at home and clean my kitchen. Well, we need not to to be absentee from our families. We need to be active. We need to be involved with our families if we're going to have our families turn out for Christ. So fighting for the next generation begins with one, fighting our own spiritual battles, two, by fighting the enemies of our family, and lastly, by fighting the decay in our own society. Would you not say that America, there's some decay in our society? We're in Mexico, there's a lot of decay in that society. We need to fight that. The answer to, de- to, to, the, to, to the decay of today's society is not in a reclusive church. It's in an outward church. A church that's not focused on themselves is not going to influence the world for Christ. But a church that is influenced on the world can change the world for Christ. I mean, if, God, I mean, if, Jesus, I mean, if the Lord could use 12 people to turn the world upside down, imagine what he could do with just this congregation. We just have to be willing. 
We have to fight the decay in our own society. Well, how do we do that? We do that, first of all, through prayer. Second Chronicles chapter 7, and verse 4. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and forgive their sin, and will heal their land. The way we're going to fight the decay in our society is on our knees. We need to have a prayer life. Ben was talking about uh, the, the, the book of prayer by R.A. Torrey. Uh, and I, I encourage you, read, book, read as many books about prayer as you can. And, and if, you, if, if you're not good at reading, just get on your knees <laughs> and just beg the Lord. Just plead out before the Lord. We have to have that prayer life. So we fight that decay, one, through prayer and two, through participation in our community. A mom was concerned about her kindergarten son walking to school, and he didn't want him to walk with, or what didn't want her to walk with him. So she had an idea of how to handle it. He asked the neighbor, or she asked the neighbor, if she would uh, please follow the young boy in the mornings to school, but staying at a distance so he probably wouldn't notice her. She said that since she was up early with her toddler anyway, one day I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> it would be a good way for them to get some exercise as well, so she agreed. The next school day, the neighbor and her little girl set out following behind Timmy, and as he walked to school with another uh, little girl he knew. Uh, she did this for the whole week. As the two walked and chatted, kicking stones and twigs, Timmy left, uh, tw Timmy's little friend noticed the same lady was following them uh, and, and asked Timmy, Hey, have you noticed the lady following us to school all week? Do you know her? And Timmy nonchalantly replied, Yeah, I know who she is. Little girl said, Well, who is she? That, uh, and Timmy replied, Well, that's just Shirley, Shirley Goodnest, and her daughter, and her daughter, daughter Marcy. Little girl said, Shirley Goodnest? Who is she and why is she following us? Timmy replied, Well, let me explain. Every night my mom makes me say the 23rd Psalm with my prayers because she worries about me so much and in the psalm it says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life so i guess i'll just have to get used to it matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 says ye are the salt of the earth but if the salt have lost its savor wherewith shall it be salted it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under, foot, under the foot of men. How many of you have ever, had, ever tasted salt that has lost its savor before? It ain't good. <laughs> I mean, it's literally, I mean, what can you do with it? I mean, it's good for nothing, so you just throw it out. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I have a pastor friend of mine that's just a few hours uh, north of here. And uh, he was telling me uh, about him getting involved in the community. I believe, how long has Brother Dan been there? An hour, uh, a year? Maybe two at the most. And uh, just a little, the little town of Whittemore, about an hour or so north of here. And he, uh, he said that he's been trying his best to get involved in the community. And they do races and stuff down through the town there. So, um, you know, on a track, not through the town. 
but they, they hold races. And so he went, wanted to be a part of it, so he went. And they asked him, hey, you're a pastor, why don't you come up and open up in prayer? So he did. Uh, that first Christmas they were there, they, you know, him and his family decided to go and be a part of the, uh, the lighting of the Christmas tree. Because every year in their small community, they light a Christ, the town Christmas tree. And there was a lady there, I believe Brother Dan said she was close to, in her, she was in her 60s. And she came up to Brother Dan and said, aren't you the pastor of the church down here? And he said, yeah. And she said, the entire time I've been a part of this community, and it's been a long time. She said, I've never once that I can remember uh, have, seeing a pastor come out and being a part of our community like you're doing. What of all these churches and that, and we passed dozens, I mean, I, I kid you not, going just down the street, we passed six or eight churches. What are they doing? What have they been doing all those years to reach the people? Obviously not much. So we need to be involved in our community. How do we do that? Well, through personal soul winning. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know, I, I love this verse. And it's a verse that we hear preached quite often. But it's a verse we can take personally. I mean, it says, Trent, go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And Trent, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And we can personalize that. We don't have to be afraid. We can be encouraged that the Lord is with us even unto the end of the world. No matter what's going to happen, the Lord's going to be with us, and he encourages us to be a witness for him. Let me encourage you to schedule a time to go out soul winning. If you don't schedule a time you're probably not going to go. How do I know that? Because I would do that. <laughs> if I say, okay, we're going to do something, but I don't ever schedule a time to do it, I don't ever do it. We have a scheduled time every week that we go out soul winning. Now, I'm not saying you have to go door to door every single week. Uh, one thing I love about Mexico, uh, we can go down to the park. And there's tons of people there. We can just start passing out tracks and just talking to people. We go out soul winning in the evening time, and we hardly, we hardly ever actually knock on a door because everybody's standing out in the street talking. And we just walk down the street and just start talking to people, telling people about Jesus Christ. You can go down to the mall, you can hand somebody a track, say, hey, are you 100% sure that if you're to die today that you go to heaven? But schedule a time to go out. Determine, say, hey, okay, at this time, this, this, time, this week, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, witness to somebody about Jesus Christ. I'm going to witness to somebody. I'm going to tell them about Jesus Christ. You know, the great thing about the commandment is God just commands us to go. That's it. You know, sometimes you'll hear preachers say, when was the last time you led somebody to Christ? Well, God didn't command us to do that. He commanded us to go and tell them. When was the last time you actually went and told somebody about Jesus Christ? We have to have that personal soul winning if we're going to fight for the next generation. How do we fight the decay of our society? One, through prayer. Two, through participation in our community. Three, through personal soul winning. And four, through the, uh, through the promotion of God's institution. Second Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 16 says this, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know that thou ought, how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church 
the living God, the pillar, the ground of truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of, God, of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. I believe in the local church. Let me say that again. I believe in the local church. Amen. Out of everything that has stood the test of time, aside from the Bible, it's definitely been the local church. Even through persecution, the local church is still here. Even through criticism, the local church is still here. We encourage you, promote God's institution. How do we do that? Do that by soul winning. We do that by living our lives. I, you know, you hear preachers sometimes say, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big advocate of, of, of you know, lifestyle evangelism. I am. <laughs> How is people going to know you're a Christian unless they see your lifestyle? But I'm also, an advocate, I'm also a very strong advocate of verbally telling people, hey, you, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? It's all through the local church. I praise the Lord for my local church. Every big decision in my life that I've ever made, it's been influenced by the local church. I got saved because of a local church. I got called to preach in a local church. I was called to be a missionary in a local church. I met my wife in a local church. I got married right here in this local church. I serve in a local church. The local church is a big ordeal in our lives. And we need to keep it a big ordeal in our lives. Fighting for the next generation. How do we do it? We have to fight our own spiritual battles. We have to fight the enemies of our family. And thirdly, we have to fight the decay of our own society. Let me encourage you this morning to fight. Never give up, but to fight. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklay.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.